Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's today today's episode was recorded on September the thirteenth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, after we sacrificed one of the cult, caffeine rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing some games that we played. Matt Booty dreams of AI QA testers. Overwatch fans revolt over Blizzard's plan to lock heroes behind Battle Pass. And from the community, we've got a couple of articles, another NFT game goes bankrupt, and Diablo Immortal Whale's face orb debt. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. We're back. For now. This week. Yep, last week we were about to record, and my internet started... Coming and going. Uh, there was a huge storm that blew through Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday afternoon, t- evening, really. It's probably about 7 o'clock that the storm blew through. It was done um, by 8 o'clock. At first, I was like, oh, there's a storm blowing through. I almost texted you. I was like, oh, there's a storm blowing through. Want to take bets? But mm-hmm. I didn't because, you know. And then everything was fine. And then the internet went out. And then it came back, and then it went out, and then it came back. And that was the story of my life from Tuesday night through Saturday morning. Definitely didn't upset the cultists, right? No, there were definitely no riots. Uh, no, no riots were violently put down by myself. <laughs> but it all seems fixed again. There was some damage at the, uh, at the road, um, and once they fixed that, Everything was back to normal. So that's that's where I'm at. And then we just recorded like an hour worth of Franken content. A lot of stories that I told from the last couple of weeks. It's been a crazy couple of weeks at, at the at the Looney Bin. You guys will get to hear all about those. Hopefully in a lot more than just a week. I would like to get back to recording every week. We're going to sacrifice another member of the cult next week to continue to to please the, the tech gods. Oh, here I thought it was my turn. Uh, because there's uh, this uh, religious uh, fruitcake that runs around on a wheelchair. I'm sure uh, the town won't miss Holy Roller. <laughs> sure. We can sacrifice Holy Roller. I like that. Hey, I'm crippled. I'm allowed to make crippled jokes. I didn't say you couldn't. Yeah, but I could hear uh, uh, somebody out there being offended. Right. Fuck you. Especially if you call make- me daddy. And I'm allowed to make religious jokes because I don't give a shit. Right? Fuck them. They're the reason we're in this mess anyways. <laughs> Pretty much. So, uh, shall we get some nostalgia going? Sure. So, games we played. I have two, you have two, and I guess we'll trade off. Sure. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to yeah, go Yeah, I'll go first, since I led into it. So, Last Call BBS. The last Zactronics game, or the last original Zactronics game, they are releasing or have released, I'm not sure which, their Solitaire compilation, because it's kind of been a running thing for them to have some sort of version of Solitaire uh, in, in their games for the, you know, like the last several. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, so the looks like the solitaire bundle is on down. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, so Zactronics has decided to shut down, mostly due due to just they, uh, yep, you know, got tired of making the same old thing, right? Right, and I and I can't and I can't blame them, you know. Uh, their games are very good at making me feel dumb, and I can't imagine just the genius levels of you know, fuckery that has to go on to create them. And Zytronics Games has the kind of this overarching thing of being very difficult, very detail-oriented and taxing to, you know, to beat. So I can, like I said, can only imagine what goes into making them. So they decided to call it quits with their swan song of Last Call BBS, which is a, a simulator of the early days of the internet, the bulletin board system, BBS. Yeah. And it simulates getting in, like, a computer in the, like, early 90s, dialing up to a BBS and downloading illegal cracked software <laughs> down to the... Uh, yeah, the whereas uh, crack uh, uh, splash screens whenever you start up a game. Remember those from the 90s and 2000s? Yeah, I do. They have those in this. Oh, cool. And they also simulate download speeds of uh, uh, the telephone because even though a game is only a, you know, a few kilobytes or kilobytes in the simulator... Yeah, it still takes it like 10 minutes to download, so you're just sitting there playing the latest version of Solitaire on your computer while it downloads. Right? Yeah. And there's eight or nine different games uh, total that you can download to to your computer to play from this BBS, uh, as well as the option to create custom servers to build games in the simulator itself. There's a few people that I've seen uh, showing off like uh, uh, maze games and that sort of thing. Using like the uh, uh, the modem tools to build uh, an actual game in the dollop system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game, uh, the minigame, I, I don't want to call them minigames because they're really not. Uh, that I've spent the most time with is called 20th Century Food Court, which is a sci-fi game where you're building a food court in the far future to emulate food that was served today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with like, uh, it's like a mini Factorio, only mixed with a uh, um, an audio mixer. So like every uh piece of uh, machinery on the factory floor is uh, uh, generates this like piece of equipment on a rack and you're taking signals from one thing to another with uh, with the jumpers you know the like the audio cable jumpers yeah uh, and transferring the signals around and it, it, it sounds complex and it's even more so. Uh, you're taking like uh, 
I'm trying to remember what the first level is. What, like, yeah, let's say, let's make up one. Like, it has you're serving a hot dog. Well, the system starts, it uh, produces the signal for start in whatever order. Let's say, you know, a hot dog with uh, mustard and ketchup. And it goes down the uh, conveyor belt. It triggers a, a scanner that uh, sees what the order is. It uh, causes a program to fire in a sequencer that uh, causes mustard to get uh, or, uh, to fire, to ketchup to get fired, to relish or whatever's on the order. Gets put on a tray and sp- spit out. Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely fascinating. And the fact that this could easily have been a full game with a few more levels. It has like 20 or 30. So yeah, easily enough for a full game, but you know, not by Zactronic standards, I should say. Uh, there's a, sort of a, like a reverse uh, pit cross where you're building uh, dungeon maps uh, based on a few, ru- few rules like Monsters have to be at the end of a hallway. Treasure has to have a room around it, that sort of thing. Along with uh, Pit Cross-esque uh, a, uh, um, uh, clues around the sides. There's some sort of, like... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of... Uh, uh, I block the Forbidden Path. I'd not figure that one out at all. There's the Solitaire game, that, of course. There's... Um, a chip builder that uses uh, a CAD program to have a puzzle game in where you're building microprocessors mm-hmm. uh, for certain uh, features. Um, there's a the mini game from Exapunks. Uh, you played Exapunks, right? Uh, no. I thought you did. That's why I brought it up. Let me, let me look. Exopunks. Or Exopunks. Exopunks. It's where you, you get shrunk down and it's like a tactics game. No, I have not played this. Okay, I thought you did. Maybe you played something similar to it that I was thinking of. Possibly. It's a tile, it's a tile, it's a tile matching game that uh, uh, is lifted from that. A mm-hmm. Japanese solitaire. There's a bottle builder where you're sitting building like you know, totally not Gundams. And uh, kind of a also mini documentary and uh, look back at uh, the history of Zactronics. Along with you know, looking back at the old days of uh, you know, before the internet really became mainstream. It's a little bittersweet honestly. But yeah, absolutely uh, a blast to play. I'm not sure about going all in on you know, the 20 bucks, but I was playing it through Game Pass. Yeah. And especially if you have a fond memory of, you know, like early to mid-90s, I would, actually I would say DOS era, early Windows era gaming, you know, this is definitely pick it up and you know, relive some memories. Right. It looks neat. Yeah, like I, I have said, heard uh, there, of this. I just haven't played it. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot here, and there's a lot of not fully fleshed out games, but enough to yeah you know, enjoy it in the anthology. Yeah, uh, on the uh, Steam 
uh, on the Steam store. Um, the second screenshot is the game that I've been playing most out of this, the 20th Century uh, Food Court. You'll see what I mean by shit gets complex quickly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my turn? Mm-hmm. Sweet. So let's hit a different kind of nostalgia. Um, a game that I played, because I had been meaning to play this, and I downloaded it a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm going to play this. And then when the internet fucked up, I was like, well, mm-hmm. now's a good time to play it, I suppose. Uh, Frontlines Fuel of War. Frontlines is a game that released in 2008, uh, originally on Xbox 360. It later came to PC. I don't know if it came to PlayStation. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it's interesting. First of all, let me read you the, you know, the back of the case synopsis. All right. Tell me how, if this sounds familiar. By, by 2024, and that was the far-flung future of when this game was created. By 2024, a global energy crisis and worldwide avian influenza outbreak plague the world. As supplies of oil and natural gas wane, and alternative energy like solar power, biofuels, and nuclear energy is still inefficient to replace oil completely, diplomatic relationships between the East and West are strained beginning to break down. Mm, Cause, this right. causes two new alliances to be formed, the Western Coalition, the modern evolution of NATO, and the Red Star Alliance. Now, mm. now, this is one of those weird times where the, just like spitballing weird ideas is like, oh my god, do they predict some of the future? Although, yeah, avian influenza, right? Yeah, that was, uh, that was of the era. Uh, bird flu. Uh, everybody, if you remember that, uh, pour one out for bird flu and swine flu. But anyways, it's it, it's interesting. Yeah, there at least are, we have monkeypox now. Right. We had the COVIDs, and now we have monkeypox. But um, some of the, the, the really big themes, it does feel eerie and weird. But for the most part, this plays out in the way that all action movies and whatnot tend to take those scenarios instead of what we have got in the real world, which is, you know, people bitching about needing to wear masks and, um, you know, economic sanctions leading to economic collapse of Russia. Uh, you know, we have like, Oh, they're going to nuke each other and we're going to fight across Eastern Europe and Asia. Um, the gameplay is very solid for a game from this era. There are things missing from that you know that you you expect in modern day games, but that's just sort of the nature of the evolution of of the format and formula. Um, but this game pioneers a lot of concepts that became staples of the later Battlefield games that everyone knows and loves. And on top of that, it has a superior single player campaign to pretty much any Battlefield game except maybe Bad Company. Um, and Battlefield Bad Company sells that partially on the gameplay, but also on the story and the personalities. The story here is pretty bog standard for a shooter. You're the leader of a special forces NATO coalition group that's been fighting the Reds for a long time to secure those resources. And you get sent to dangerous hotspot areas and to the tip of the spear on offenses across the... 10 or 12 campaign missions. Um, 
but the missions themselves are are really really good there's the game says open world first person shooter which is kind of a stretch of the truth um as the game progresses the battle maps do get larger and larger and your toy box in the what you have in your toy box grows in terms of equipment vehicles etc but basically what they mean by open world is that you have maps that have multiple objectives that you have to uh, decide what order you're going to tackle them in. And they start out small, like capture these three bridges to win. And then by the end of the game, it's like assault this facility. You have to take it out. And as you, the farther forward you push into the, the compound, the more objectives pop up that you have to complete. And once you complete enough objectives or sort of all of the objectives in the area, the battle map moves forward. Like you can see in the screenshots, like there's all these little gadgets or whatever that's showing like a blue and a red line. And it's like, that's your battle line and you complete the objectives and you move that forward. And the enemy has infinite, like you have infinite spawning soldiers on both sides. And it's up to you to be able to um, like, you have a certain number of respawns like you have that you can use. And you have to complete each of the missions within that respawn limit. And essentially your your troops, like if they die, it's got sort of a battlefront-esque, like, all right, let me round you guys back up and let's try again. Or let me, you know, round up some vehicles and we'll try some vehicles. So Toy Box, you have um, standard first-person shooter stuff, snipers, machine guns, rockets, etc. Um... Then you've got various types of drones that you can use. Um, there's like little tank drones. There's uh, UAVs um, that do various things. Scouting, bombs, rockets, machine guns, etc. You've got troop transports. Um, you know, trucks, Humvees, that kind of stuff. You've got tanks. You've got helicopters. And then later on, you've got jets. And then there's a few special toys you get in the campaign that's... Uh, you know, laser target designators for cruise missiles or space launched ordnance, that kind of stuff. Um, those are pretty neat, but they're sort of situational set piece items. The The bulk of what you're going to be playing with are guns, drones, and tanks. Um, or, I guess, you know, armored fighting vehicles. It, it originally had, and I remember playing this back in the day, it originally had, was was one of the first, like, big... 64 versus 64 multiplayer battle arena style games, you know, battlefront or well, battlefield and battlefront later sort of made this their thing for their big game modes. But this is one of the first games that I remember pulling it off. Well, and I remember the multiplayer was essentially, you know, the, the two teams fighting over points and you could win if you exhausted all of the other teams respawns or if you pushed and captured the objectives. And essentially took over the map. It's solid. Um, you know, it's it's right now. It's not on sale. It's twenty bucks. It is not worth twenty bucks. The story is fine. The gameplay mechanics are good, but they're not worth twenty bucks at this point in the game. You know, maybe ten years ago, I could have said like, yeah, twenty bucks for this game that's you know four or five years old. Go for it. But now, pick it up on sale for. You know, a couple of bucks. Looks like it's historic low. Uh, is two dollars at fanatical. I don't know what that is. 
but this is historic uh, low two dollars at uh, fanatical i know that i know that site it's uh legit okay um so you know it's it's been on sale another for... bundle site okay looks like it's been on sale for as low as four bucks on steam in the past i think it's worth four or five bucks you know if you're if you want to play a shooter from the mid 2000s that is pretty easy to run on modern hardware um you know relatively modern hardware i didn't have any issues with it running on windows 10 that's one of those things that i feel like at this you know age of game your mileage may vary but i didn't have any problems running it um got a solid smooth you know 60 plus at max graphical settings no issues so if if you're in the neighborhood and you want to check it out you can find it for a couple bucks it's worth that um i spent i don't know eight ten hours on it uh and i got through the game maybe you know you might get 12 hours out of it if you're playing on a higher difficulty or if you're trying to get all of the collectibles this it does feature collectibles on the map to give you like more information about the the story and the world and stuff i pretty much ignored those i didn't care but if you care and you want to find them, you know, you probably get 12 hours out of it. So yeah, Frontline Fuels of War. Uh, strangely, two thumbs up. <laughs> and uncanny, I guess I should say, right? Yeah, uncanny as well. So my last one is a racing game. Woo! Grid Legends, the latest in the Grid series. Through, once again, Game Pass, this time uh, through their partnership with EA Play, which will be about the only way I play an EA game these days, right? I mean, Absolutely. I already have it, right? So, this is a basically one of the early grids, only with kind of a cringy storyline tacked onto it. So, I, I got... <laughs> Let's get into the story first, then we'll get into gameplay. So, you play as Driver 22, and uh, because they're doing... They did full motion video on this. Compressed to the ever-living fucking max. Some of the the backgrounds in the uh, interviews... The the story's presented as a documentary about this up-and-coming team that you... Happen to get recruited into, all right? It's not even your team, all right? It's okay. uh, you, you're recruited into it as a driver. You don't own it. Uh, some of the backgrounds are, well, let's just put it this way: the the compression is so bad that it's just color banding all over the place, which is not a good look, and it makes it so that I can't tell if the background is. In some places, uh, CGI or yeah, put in uh, post, or it's just the compression artifacting is making it look yeah uncanny, you know? Yeah, it's it, it if they're trying to push a story and trying to make me feel like I'm uh, yeah actually driver twenty two, which they go out of their way to not use any gendered pronouns, which fine, I get it. They uh, this is full motion video. They uh, 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 they don't want to do two versions with he and she, right? Yeah. Uh, but they don't even go... Uh, they just do like a gender neutral day, and they never give the character a name. It's always referred to 
by their racer number. <laughs> and it's just weird. Very, very weird. Yeah. And the game defaults to an absolutely brain-dead default uh, 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 difficulty setting. To the point that I'm pretty sure your kid could win the races on the default settings. That's saying something. He's a real bad driver. I, I mean, it's on almost the lowest setting possible. And uh, this is one thing I do like is that uh, if you go into the difficulty screen uh, settings screen, which you know, you're not going to be able to until after the first race because it's one of those that you, you don't even get a main menu or anything. It just uh, drops you right into the middle of uh, uh, the action. Which I get it. It's exciting. But I would like a chance to you know, actually look at the settings. Maybe tweak a few things, you know? Yeah. Take a look and see what the difficulty set to, right? Right. Uh, they have, uh, of course, AI driver uh, difficulty, but then you could go in and uh, tweak uh, the amount of uh, uh, ABS, uh, uh, steering uh, stability, uh, uh, traction control, uh, all, indiv- all independent of the actual uh, difficulty setting, change uh, manual, uh, uh, automatic transmission. I mean, there's just... <sighs> a ton of options to go into on difficulty. Uh, you could change uh, damage uh, to uh, just cosmetic or uh, to full-on damage. Although, I'm unsure if that actually does anything because I tested it. I drove into a wall straight on at 150 miles per hour going full Dale Earnhardt. And yes, I went that dark. <laughs> and it just barely did any damage to my car. I'm not sure if there's like some sort of damage gating going on because I'm not at you know, the absolute max level. I'm playing on hard or very hard. Like I'm right in the middle of the uh, uh, five difficulty settings. Yeah. Uh, trying to get through the story, which uh, looking at some of the reviews, I think I'm actually going to back off on until there's a patch because it looks like there's a bug where uh, you had a show-stopping bug where it won't allow you to progress anymore. Ugh, right? And these are recent reviews. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's beside the point. But yeah, that's a damper on things. Uh, but because the game is set to such a low difficulty setting at the start, it makes it sound uh, so disingenuous whenever they talk about how amazing... Oh, this amazing driver comes out of nowhere. No, you all just suck. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You're all just terrible. (laughs) Like, uh, in one of the cutscenes, whenever you first join the team, uh, yeah, they show other, uh, their, their test drivers testing out all the cars because, of course, this is a grid game, so they have to have all the car disciplines. Yeah, you know, ma- uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. There's like yeah, you know, uh, half a dozen ish cars for each one of yeah. like ten or so different disciplines, which sounds like a lot uh, on the surface, but yeah, you, know, you don't get a lot of choice, right? Yeah, 
Uh, but you know, they showed you know uh, one of their drivers driving uh, a, a Formula style car, you know, Formula One style car, but not yeah, lower end. I'm sure that there's a proper term for it, but I don't care. Uh, show them dr- <laughs> what? But I, I'm sure there's a term for it, but I don't care. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fuck uh, em. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, see them. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember which one this is. I think this is the one that they under uh, break the turn or under break the turn. So instead of making the uh, uh, a right hand turn, they just shoot off into the <laughs> into the wall. Then they show like a uh, a rally truck because for some reason on pavement uh, racing they have uh, you know uh, arena trucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know, they just pu- uh, put some ramps out that honestly I just avoid and you know get better speed on because right? Yeah. Uh they just show this truck just driving along and then all of a sudden, you know, it's yeah, starting to flip. It looks like Mr. Bean is driving it. <laughs> <laughs> to be, to be clear, that that thing that you're talking about, that sport um the the road trucks that they put that's really fun to watch. I can't think of what it's called. I've only seen a mm-hmm. couple of races, but it's so cool to watch, like in real life. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. It feels like it's yeah. It's better to just avoid the ramps and drive, right? Yeah, uh, they do have a their version of like Formula E on here as well, which is interesting. Uh, but. Yeah, th- there's a bunch of diff- different disciplines that you go through, uh, and each car yeah, essentially has levels that you gain to uh, unlock upgrades, and yeah, the ground is real with this one, right? Yeah. Because you can go through the story mode, or you could just go in and race for your own team. But yeah, they heavily emphasize, you know, go find out how you became the driver you did. Or yeah, the driver you became, right? And it's just, and it's uh, they they have this little uh, Japanese uh, fiery uh, tr- uh, co-driver on this uh, team, and she's talking uh, all shit about, uh, to you the this entire time, which is glorious. But she's talking about how yeah, you shouldn't get you uh, better not get in my way in the ne- in this next race. Never mind the fact that the previous race. Uh, she crashed out, and I was like twenty places ahead of her. Right? All right. There, there, and there are some scripted things uh, in the races. Uh, whenever you're in story mode, like uh, the crash out, I'm pretty certain was a, a scripted thing. Uh, but there's been other times that, yeah, you know, I would be several places ahead of her. And she's talking about how I better stay out of her way and, yeah, you know, stay, yeah, you know, uh, obviously not expecting you to be ahead of her, right? Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, me slowly cranking up the difficulty trying to find a spot where, you know, I'm not just blowing everybody out of the water as well. And I don't claim to be some amazing uh, racing driver or, yeah, you know, racing game uh, player. I just know how to hold a racing line, yeah, somewhat decently. It just feels like the difficulty is just really wacky. 
I never did get to the drifting portion of the game, and there's some people saying that the drifting feels really weird, and like there's a special kind of mode for that, or uh, 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 driving mode. Yeah. Uh, Physics-wise, outside of the fact that it feels like the damage does absolutely nothing until the wheels literally fall off your car, uh, uh, fine. I mean, it doesn't piss me off instantly like Dirt 5 did. Uh, it feels like, well, I would say a mid-range grid game. Yeah, arcadey with a... Enough options to change the car settings and uh, to get a feel for how you want to drive it. I mean, not groundbreaking, but also not terrible. You know, you can actually spin out. You uh, whether it does actually feel like it has an effect on your car, other than you know, just yeah, making it wet like dirt did. Yeah, it, you know, it feels like a racing game. And I know that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but. I fucking hated Dirt because it didn't feel like a racing game. It felt like, yo, I was playing uh, Mario Kart Tour, you know, and I'm just sitting there holding the accelerator. Let's go. Oh, this one review. uh, Like I said, I was looking at the reviews uh, and saw somebody bring up. uh, The menu system is also really confusing because it's constantly going uh, uh, using the uh, shoulder buttons to change to go between the like pages in the main menu then you have to switch through through uh the uh, uh d-pad but then there's some menus that uh they reverse those because of course right yeah why not why do things have to stay consistent and make sense yeah and they're really pushing online racing which honestly i i don't like online racing because people are jerks if i wanted to be battered around uh uh, online racing, I'd still be playing Forza Horizon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my biggest complaint is just the fact that, well, one, you know, you have to get the season pass in order to get all the story, because of course, right? Yep. And two, the story just isn't good, and they push that as, like, the major single-player content outside of just, you know, doing, you know, random racing. And there's just this always kind of Pokiness to it. And it's not a, like a good cheese, like the early uh, uh, Need for Speed games, you know? Yeah. Where it's so over the top. It's uh, it's biggest sin. It's wacky, but boring. You know? Being boring is a big sin. And yes, you can skip the story uh, cutscenes. But they're not... Yeah. Yeah, you have to wait for them to load, then you have to wait for them to unload, and then load in the racing game, right? Yeah. Uh, like, like one uh, cutscene, the uh, the owner of the team uh, has this potted plant that he's bringing into the office for whatever reason. It, you know, <laughs> and it, it looks as fake as the office itself. You know? Uh not not as in it's CGI, as in, yo, this is obviously a set dressed as an office. And it just... It, it, okay, here's what it is. It, it just kind of struck me. The acting in this game feels like the porn parody of this game. <laughs> nice. 
I I I like that. But 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, very stiff, very over the top, but not in a fun way. Like you beat the uh, the grid champion, and, you know he has kind of this cocky attitude because you know he's the four time soon to be five time. That's a, a record champion, uh, but it's very obvious that he's reading the cue cards, you know, or yeah, you know, just reading the script and just yeah, you know, it's not the person, you know. Yeah. So if you were to play this, I would say, unless you're into really boring documentaries about a sports team that why would they be making a documentary about this sports team anyway, right? I mean, they did that for Formula One on Netflix, and then Formula One got really popular in places that weren't Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah but this was literally a team that was about to be uh, shut down. You know? Yeah. This isn't you know, like following a team that is uh, a contender. This is a team that uh, had been basically on the verge of uh, shutting down until number 22 shows up, right? And his, you know, not uh, uh, low-difficulty driving. <laughs> oh. Uh, if you could get past the story, it's an okay racing game. Is it amazing? Hell no. I would say uh, if you wanted a better racing game of this discipline, go back to an earlier grid game. Because there, it feels like there would be more beat on the bones or more, or more in depth uh, racing for uh, for uh, the d- disciplines that's available. I mean, you wouldn't have stuff like the Formula E knockoff. Yeah, uh, and the elect. Uh, well, they have a Formula E knockoff, and they have electric cars as well as a separate discipline, which handles very difficult differently, obviously, from internal combustion. However, yeah, you're only ha- you only have a few of them, right? Yeah. And the tuning options are all the same for the electric cars as they are for the uh <laughs> for the standard cars. So you could change the <laughs> you could change the uh the gearing on the electric cars, right? Right. That doesn't work very well. <laughs> I mean, some electrical electric cars do have a couple of gears, but most of them don't. They either have one direct drive gear, or they have a, uh, what is it, a CVS? A constant variance transmission? Or no, I guess that'd be CVT. Constant variant transmission. Yeah. Anyways. That's that's more technical than this game wants to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously an arcade game and meant to just go in and shut off your brain. Right. I did go through all the modes, so there may be more interesting ones later on. I mean, it does look like there's truck racing, as in semi-truck racing. That could be interesting. But also, it looks like it's against pickup trucks, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, not the worst racing game I played. That still uh, goes to uh, Dirt 5 for uh, the time being. But, yeah, worth checking out, especially if you have Game Pass. You don't mind jumping through the hoots to get uh, EA Play to work. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, you're launching a launcher to launch a launcher, right? Yep. Which might, in turn, launch another launcher. You never know. Oh, and uh, one thing is that 
Uh, they do have some of the bullshit DLC. So, uh, you have uh, uh, the uh, season pass, like I said. Um, but the big thing is that you have the mechanic pass, which is the is the ground skip. So, uh, your personal team that I'm assuming at the end of the story, you know, you and uh, the team goes their separate ways, and you form your own team. Uh, but the single-player content outside of story mode is you know, your team, and uh, you have a, a co-driver that you level up but by getting currency, and yes, that's what they call it. They call it currency. They had a big brain moment and decided, let's call it the currency currency, right? Hard to be mad at it when it's just currency. And you have a mechanic that uh, unlocks your standard yet boring upgrades, yeah, percentage-based upgrades. And the mechanic pass cuts the requirements uh, to uh, yeah, get upgrades to get them faster. It cuts the distance required to upgrade uh, to level up a car to get the next level upgrades for it, which. It's scummy. Yeah. In the season two, it actually looks like a lot more fun of a story mode. Uh, it's Demolition Derby. But with their damage modeling. Hmm, right? Yeah. Makes me want to go pick up breakfast again. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much my thoughts on uh, Grid. Some uh, very negative uh, things. And some, eh, it's okay, I guess. All right. Well, the other one that I played this week, um, I've talked about before, but it's been a while, year and a half, maybe. Um, Mech HQ, uh, or Mega Mech, is a full conversion of the tabletop rule set of Battletech into a a computer <laughs> computer game played on the computer. Um, there's three three parts to it, and if you download Mech HQ, you get all three parts. It, this is all free. This is all community run. Some of these people have Patreons and stuff where you can go support them. A lot of hours have been put into the, this the development of this over the last couple of years. Um, what it is basically is that there's Mega Mech, which just lets you create tabletop scenarios you can there's a bunch of, of maps you can uh procedurally generate a map or you can use the built-in map making tool to make your own maps drop in your mechs your tanks your soldiers you want to do space battles they've got spaceships uh aerospace fighters the whole nine you can play you know your you can play locally um and you can just you know hot seat pass it off to player next to you um, and take turns that way. You can play against the bot. Um, the AI is okay. Um, you can adjust the difficulty slider up and down so that they make more or less stupid decisions in terms of how to use their mechs. But, you know, things like running too hot to trigger ammo explosions or whatever, tactically retreating instead of fighting till the last man, whatever. But they are definitely will never play as well as another human. The This AI is not there yet. Um, or you can play 
online. You can uh, host a server or someone else can host a server and you guys can, can play on that. Then there's the mech designer, which lets you within the custom rule set modify or create new vehicles, mechs, tanks, planes, whatever. With anything that's allowed to be constructed within the rule set, you can make it or modify it. And then there's Mech HQ, which kind of brings everything together. And Mech HQ lets you run long form campaigns based on the strategic ops rule set for the game. So you can make a mercenary company, or you can fight for any of the great houses, or you know, fight with them, whatever. Um, and you can build companies. Um, and there's a bunch of rules for creating stuff if you want to go with one of the the in-game units that already exists, either for any of the main, you know, the great houses or for any existing mercenary companies, or you can just make your own. Um, and depending on what you choose, determine some things like starting years and tech levels and stuff like that. But I like to make my own mercenary company and run it that way and just pick a start year and go until either I go bankrupt or I get so powerful that it's not fun anymore. Um, and, uh, I talked about this, like I said, a year, a year and a half ago, much more in depth. Anyone who really wants to get into the nitty gritty, feel free to message me on discord or whatever. I'm not going to go super more in depth on that at this point. Um, the things that I want to talk about are which version I'm playing. So the latest stable version is the one that I talked about last time. It's been their stable build for about a year and a half now. Um, build 48.0 the current dev build was just dropped yesterday in in you know of day of recording it dropped yesterday is 49.10 i play every even numbered beta build um because the odd number they will introduce new stuff and then the even number will be to fix the bugs or whatever they broke with the new stuff they introduced and so I'm currently playing 49.8. Um, and essentially, each update adds refinements to the AI, new units, um, even though there's something like, I think, a thousand different unique units in the game from, you know, max tanks, infantry squads, aerospace fighters, etc. There are still more that have been created over the you know the 50 40 40 something years of BattleTech's history um that they so you know and their new ones being made all the time so you know they add more units to the game more to and more technology and flush out the rule sets because a lot of stuff in the game will say not implemented at this time added for completeness or something uh, there's a lot of quirks that give little bonuses or detriments to your soldiers or your vehicles that are, you know, ticked off whenever you buy something like they're checked off or it'll say like has, you know, whatever quirk. But then when you go look at it, it'll say not implemented at this time. So they're adding those things as they go and then making more and more improvements to the interface and causing the game to be less buggy and less prone to crashing when you play it for long periods of time um it uses java and i don't i don't know a lot about java development but whatever version of the game 
or whatever version of Java that 48 is running on, it's an older version, has got a well-documented problem that for most applications doesn't matter, but you might be sitting playing this game for hours at a time if you're like me. Um, and it's will eventually, Weird it's out. got a, yeah, it's got a memory leak and eventually it will just crash causing you to lose save data if you're not saving regularly or auto saving regularly. And so they're working on getting into a more modern version of Java, but this Me- Mega Mech was first developed in like the mid 2000s. Like it's, you know, alpha beta version, you know, th- this is coming up on 20 years old at this point. And so that's one of their big projects for uh build 50 is to get everything working in a more modern version of Java so that it doesn't crash as much. But I've been playing this a lot, both at work. It's because I just play it on my laptop. I mean, you could run the game on any potato PC or laptop. Um, The only part of it that might get bogged down is if you try to do battles that are way too big against the AI. Um, But it'll run on just about anything. It's very customizable and configurable. They have a Discord group and then lots of fact pages and detailed instructions on how to get it working with older versions of Windows or if you have issues with Linux or on Mac. It's it's very well supported um, by the community. So if you like Battletech or MechWarrior or any of that stuff, and you've wanted to dive into the deeper, darker end of the pool, this is the best way to do it. If And if you want to not spend money. I guess you could spend God knows how much money on all of the source books from the last 40 years. Um, and, you know, learn all of this stuff that way. But it's all built in here. Um, tons of lore great if you're into this kind of stuff i i highly recommend it i don't recommend actually the stable build the dev build at least 49.8 has got a lot a lot of stuff in it that's not in 48.0 um there is a tool honestly i can't believe that version 48 doesn't have the mass training tool my mercenary company has got 1400 staff in it that all are being tracked with, you know, individual names and stats and trying to manage that many without the mass personnel training tools is impossible. You would spend hours spending. Am I still running the uh, cafeteria? Yep. You you're, you're running the cafeteria. You're there. I, I have, I do actually name, um, people after, or, you know, people in my mercenary company, that are important after other people. You're actually um, the human, like the head human resources person. But Uh-oh. I put in the notes section for your character that you're you're the head chef, and that's <laughs> why you're you're human resources. You're taking care of people by feeding them. Uh, and if you uh, step out of line, your dinner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, the mass personnel training tool is is example of something that's missing from version forty eight. That if you want to run a, a decent sized company, mercenary or otherwise, it's a nightmare because you have to individually click on each person. 
and individually spend XP for each person on their skills. Where with the mass tool, you can just it, you can you, you know you can narrow it down a little bit, but you know you can pick. I want all my mech warriors, and I want to train them on their mech piloting or their mech gunnery, or I want to train them in this bonus skill like small arms in case they have to eject and they're fighting on foot. You know, and you can just do that for. I have t- thirty-two mech warriors. I have a full company of of battle mechs ready to go. So you know, I would have to train. You know, right click on thirty-two people, scroll down, spend XP, current skills or new skill. It's it's a pain in the ass. So it's good times. Good times. I love it. I have a. Pr- I have many problems. This is one of them. <laughs> but don't don't send help. I'm fine. Send snacks. I don't want to be cured of this addiction. What about a motherfucking therapist? Right. Send me a motherfucking therapist. All right. Uh, with that expletive, uh, let's move on to our first news topic of the night. Let me get this open here. Matt Booty. I still love this name is Booty. Dreams of AI QA testers. Yeah, and this is... Uh... A little bit of a clickbaity uh, title, but yeah, that's kind of the internet these days. So, Matt Booty is the uh, uh, head of Xbox Game Studios. So, yeah, big wig. And right. he doesn't, he's not looking to replace the human element. He wants to augment it. And that's where the clickbait comes in. Is that he's talking about some of the strenuous yeah, uh, sit in, uh, yeah, like jump in place for you know uh, ten minutes and see what happens, that sort of thing, and training AI to do something like that, but instead of having you know, a, you know, a few dozen uh, play testers having ten thousand copies of the game running on a cloud machine, doing that all at the same time to try to yeah. You know, uh, I mean, QA is meant to break the game. So trying to have the AI break the game in uh, interesting ways to be able to test it, you know? Yeah. And that that's where I found this fascinating, is a, a implementation of AI that I hadn't really thought about, yeah, of using it as a tool for game testing. Yeah. I had never, until I read the headline, and I, I get that it's supposed to be clickbaity, but I went, yeah, actually, that makes sense. Because if we had... You know, robots are better than people at menial tasks. And honestly, robots are probably better than people at most non-menial tasks, too. Let's be real. But when it's something that's like, hey, let's run 10, like, you know, like he said, let's run 10,000 versions of this at once and have an AI go through and check all of them out. That's something that would take QA testers, you know, even a full team of them, days, weeks. Uh, you know, of crunch to to do that, and you might be able to have an AI or a, a couple of AIs go through it, and even if it does still take them a couple of days, you know, you can just have some some humans on the team, you know, ch- cherry pick the the ones that are you know the most stable or the most broken, and investigate why, and you know, recommend changes for that. Like it can help streamline the workflow, and I think that makes sense. I mean, I could see companies, any company, you know, even Microsoft, who 
tries to look like the good guy in all of this all the time. But you know, oh, I can see it's any easy company to look like the good guy when you're up against you know EA and Bethesda and right, right, and, and and Ubisoft, indeed. But you know, I could see any company being like, oh, let's get rid of an entire department and replace it with a bot that we don't have to pay. Like, I could see companies doing that. But this is one of those instances where it's like actually, you know. AI or machine learning or whatever could really help streamline this process and make things a little, I don't want to necessarily say easier, but a little healthier on the humans involved in the process. Yeah. And have you ever done game testing? Uh, no, not to this degree. I have done some, like I've helped out some people working on like college projects or whatever. But that's a whole I mean, different. I mean, I've done game. a little bit, not to this degree, but some of it is, you know, figure out a way to uh, to get to this platform without uh, doing the intended way, or yeah, you know, jump, uh, try to climb, uh, you know, go around the perimeter of the building and see if there's any place that you could climb, right? Yeah, and for. You know, goal-oriented tasks like that. There may or may not be room for the AI, but for areas where it's you know a very set pattern that they're wanting to test, maybe have it where the AI does a slight variance. You know, like you know, change up the delay between button presses, for example. Yeah, but uh, going through the cycle, yeah, you know, thousands of times to see what breaks and how. And then generate a report, right? And even better is doing it in off hours where, yeah, they wouldn't be able to get QA testing anyway. I do wonder what it will do to the speedrunning community because some of the stuff that they uh, use is stuff that either was missed or, yeah, or just little side uh, things that they found, like uh, the lowest percent on. Uh, I can't think of the Zelda title. Uh, uh, Skyward Sword, I think it is, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, it involves Link staring at a ruby for over a day. Yeah. Because it's low percentage, so it's basically whoever can complete the game doing the least amount of things uh, to complete the story. And they found that the auto animation for Link looking at a, uh, or holding up an item is missing like one frame so it doesn't completely reset and because of that he's moving ever so slightly but you need to ha- have the game sitting there for hours to make it you know uh, you know actually noticeable stuff like that yeah uh, speedrunners uh, just yeah fascinate yet yeah, horrify me they're <laughs> the, a very that, interesting breed and, and I know that uh, this is you know, a pipe dream, you know, thinking that this will you know, make games perfect. There's no way that you know, a game is going to launch without bugs. Games are far too big and far too complex. Will it limit the amount of Bethesda-level bugs? Possibly. But it also requires the publishers to want to release a product outside of Ah, fuck it. Well, maybe fix it later, right? Yeah. And even the best QA uh, tools in the world can't solve, uh, you know, uh, the suits, right? Yep. Uh, speaking okay. of uh, 
yeah, speaking of can't fix things unless you had something else to say. No, I don't have something else to say. I mean, you know, my main takeaway is overall, I think this is a good idea when implemented properly. Companies will try to find ways to fuck it up and fuck the people mm-hmm. over that it's designed to help. Mm-hmm. Yep. Moving on to companies fucking people over. And fucking Overwatch, up. Yeah. Overwatch fans revolt over Blizzard's plan to lock heroes behind Battle Pass. Blizzard doing uh, uh, dumb things. Shitty things, too. Dumb and shitty things. Yeah, I'm sure this will be the last instance of uh, them doing dumb and shitty things. Right? They'll learn. They'll never do anything bad again. Yeah, definitely we won't be talking about Blizzard again later. Yeah. So, basically, they're locking heroes behind their treadmill. But, hey, they're locking them behind the free side of the treadmill, so it's all good, right? Yeah. Uh, until yeah, let, let's be let's be perfectly honest. They're testing the waters. If they could get away with this, they're going to put another hero on the paid side because that's how it operates, right? Yep. Push push the line. Push the line four steps. Controversy. Step back mm. two, maybe three. But yeah, Overwatch. The the mic is not picking up my sighing. I'm sighing. <laughs> Blizzard. Has probably always been a shitty company. Maybe somewhere in the very beginning. But they had uh, good game design. They had good game design. And that goes a long way. I, I try really hard not to ignore the shittiness of companies, even that have great game design now. I try to pay more attention, be more aware, and not support companies that are shitty in general, no matter how good their games might be. But, like, now they're making bad game design choices, too. And I mean, the only reason they're doing it is because they're pretty sure they'll get away with it. And even if they don't now, they're pretty sure they'll be able to get away with it later. I, I feel very proud of myself that I have never played Overwatch. I just never really had the feel to uh, need to play it. Because at the time when Overwatch 1 was coming out, I was still playing Team Fortress 2. Which is, you know, Overwatch, but better. Yeah. At least back in the day. And Overwatch 2, well, first of all, they've shifted to -to free-to-play with microtransactions, which, right? Yeah. And uh, here's here's where the kind of the line in the sand was. So uh, uh, for this article that kind of got everybody's ire, uh, they have a $40 watch point pack for the upcoming game, which includes access to Overwatch 2's Season 1 Battle Pass, exclusive skins, and a heap of new in-game currency. Uh, and they said that the Battle Pass owners automatically receive the, uh, the new hero, which makes you wonder, what happens when that Battle Pass is over? Right? Are, are people that not that aren't always on the treadmill uh, going to be missing out a hero for who knows how long? Is it going to go into the? Is it going to go into the store for you know like ten bucks? There will be one of three things that happens. Mm-hmm. Either they will miss out on it, and it will go back into like a sort of vault, air quotes vault, mm-hmm. and then and then they will say in the future. Oh, we're bringing back to Battle Pass the hero. 
and people will be like, yeah, I'll get it this time because I missed them last time. It, it'll be that. Or they will put them on sale in the store for 10 or 15 or 20 bucks for that individual hero. Or they will save it. You know, it'll go away. And then they'll give it away again in the future as part of some promotion. It's like, oh, you missed out on the battle pass. But now, for a limited time, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll get the hero. That's that's the, one of the three things that they'll do. And nobody will be happy with any of them, no matter what. Because mm-hmm. you'll have the people who got it the first time through the battle pass being like, oh, they're selling it by itself now. And they'll pitch a fit or, you know, that it comes back, they'll pitch a fit or that it'll be given away as part of some promotion. They'll pitch a fit like fucking fuck. Yeah. Just fuck. That's how I feel about it. Fuck. Just in general, right? Yeah. And I hate that I'm so certain that I'm right. I hate that this isn't speculation, that we've seen this happen time and time again, now both my, from developers and by like the the hardcore like toxic fans of these games, that I know that that's what, what the outcome yeah, is. There will be a controversy no matter what after the battle pass ends, depending on how they... Uh, choose to handle it. I mean, I honestly expect them to have uh, this hero go into the store. Assuming, of course, they keep you know, the situation where the uh, the new hero is part of the battle pass, and you have to get on the treadmill. And, and we ha- Mind you, we have no idea how far to the battle pass uh, this hero is. It could be the last thing. It could be the first thing. Right? Yeah. Honestly, expecting it to be more towards the end of the, the beginning, but that's yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's just a shitty situation overall to lock playable characters behind some sort of treadmill or some sort of artificial thing like this. And yes, I am including you know stuff like buying heroes outright as well as just an artificial gateway to generate. Profit over, you know, compromising your gameplay because uh, Dirty Bomb had an issue where uh, you had a set rotation of heroes or, you know, operatives or whatever term you want to use. I mean, they're all interchangeable at the end of the day. Player characters Mm -hmm. or player character classes. And you had a set rotation and then you bought... uh, with uh, the in-game currency uh, access to the individual heroes, operatives, whatever. But they would always have it where the ones that just came out were geared more powerfully until they were uh, (laughs) brought back down, which caused an influx of people buying into the system to buy the new hero to be able to dominate until they uh, get... Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, nerfed down into you know competitiveness, right? Yeah, which is what I'm expecting here, where they'll artificially inflate the hero that they're releasing with the battle pass to be to such a degree that you know if you're not grinding to get that hero, or assuming that they're not selling a way to you know also progress, because that's another thing that battle passes like to do is sell some way to skip. You know, the grind by, uh, we'll, we'll just, you know, sell a rank up item, you know? Yeah. And really incentivize people to jump on that bag, uh, that, that treadmill and 
to an unhealthy degree, right? Oh, I'm glad I'm not invested in Overwatch because, yeah, now I'm really not, right? Yeah, same. Glad I'm I'm not because now I'm really not. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, move into our community corner stuff. We got two articles submitted to us. Yeah, over from, on the Discord. Yeah, from the last few weeks. Because yeah, life has been crazy. It has. Uh, and shitty, and and then there's real life, right? Yeah, and then there's real life. Is it just fantasy? Caught in a landslide. Anyways, um, so the first one, another NFT game goes bankrupt. Which, <laughs> yay! I'm always happy when that happens. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and this might seem familiar. This is a, a different one than you might be thinking about. This is a Viking-based one, which it, it it looked like it was from the early 2000s. Did you see any screenshots of this game? I did not. I haven't seen any screenshots. Okay, well, go look for them while I talk about this a little bit. So the main thing about this is that they went bankrupt because bad management and they invested in cryptocurrency. Because, of course, right? They, uh, they're they're in on the NFT scam, so they gotta you know, spend that to try to make more, because, right? Yeah. And they were invested in Luna, which I'm not familiar with. I mean, it's but, one of the cryptocurrencies. Uh, yeah, it's one of the cryptocurrencies. They invested 800000 uh into Luna, and it crashed. And they lost everything, it sounds like. So, right? Yeah, so this so, is on... All right, oh, go ahead. Uh, go, no, you go ahead and finish that thought, and then I'll talk. Uh, and this is on top of their executives... Uh, uh, squandering money, uh, going on big trips to try to find investors instead of, yeah, a phone call, right? Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. So I joined the Discord server. Oh, God. Um, so there's a ton of stuff that's deleted. Um, just like quickly scanning through here. But well, there's well, the... well, they're not allowed to do that. It's part of the blockchain. Right. Um, but then there's basically the announcement that's this article or blog post or whatever this yeah. is, is, you know, just copy pasted. Um, or, well, I guess it was written, written in here and then copy pasted into this article. Um, and then they've got some screenshots of the game and already moving on to their next grift. I mean, they don't say that, but they're already moving on to their next grift and they're announcing it. Um, it's in a non-production ready state, but the demo is playable. There will be bugs. It may be taken down in the future. If you look, if you want to invest in this and it's got some links, head over here. Our NFTs, because of course, right? Yep. And then there's just people like this. <laughs> this Discord is a shitstorm <laughs> of people being like, "Hey, you've been deleting messages." It's like, so I have. It's like, why are you doing that? And then people are like, "Oh, they're never gonna 
face their problems. And it's like another admin or something. It's like they're never going to face their problems. You might as well just leave and go to another server if you're going to have a negative attitude about this. Like yeah, there's but, there's a lot of the yeah, the but crypto- fucking ape is uh, worthless now. There's a lot of the cryptocurrency like grifting, you know, bullshit. But like the the crypto, I guess you could say the crypto specific jargon, which it's several months old now. But I would recommend anybody who hasn't seen the Dan Olson, um, line goes up video. It's on YouTube. It's about two two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Covers a ton of stuff about the crypto grift and is still to this point sort of the definitive like here's how the crypto grift works here's the language that they use here's how we got to this point here's where it might be going like there's lots of that grifty language in here that i recognize so (laughs) what fake it to you make uh what okay i should stop reading this it's hurting my brain (laughs) all right i'm gonna leave this discord group now i can tell you make it uh does not uh work for uh your finances all right has anybody wait has anybody said anything to me after i joined the discord server no (laughs) that's good they won't notice notice me when i'm gone (laughs) so on top of you know wasting money by you know unnecessary business trips, they started a NFT vault because of course they did, which took attention away from production. Uh, one of the developers would just disappear and come back later, <laughs> because right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the CEO. Sorry. You know, kind of an important person to just disappear and, you know, not be uh, contactable, right? Oh, yes. Sorry, that was a yawn. Uh, I mean, uh, it's NFTs. It's it, it, it's all a scam. It's it's all a scam. Unless you're in on the grift, you're getting grifted. Yep. And even then, yeah, right? Yep. Even then, you might still be getting grifted. Although it is hilarious that uh, yeah, they shut down because the cryptocurrency that they were banking on uh, collapsed before they could cash out, right? Yeah. Win some, you lose some, I guess. Fuckers. <laughs> well, has there actually, uh, and I- I'm being serious here, all right? Has there been a even a crypto game, let alone an NFT game, that uh, has been... Anything but just a slog. Uh, meant to just generate whatever thing it's supposed to be generating. Because, honestly, it just seems like every time I see one of these things, they're meant to be, essentially, farms. And I don't mean farms as in, you know, the Nintendo Direct you know, farming sim fixation that they have now. Uh, but, you know, just sitting there grinding for whatever currency or NFT or whatever. And no fun. And yeah. isn't, that, isn't that the kind of the point of a, a game? I don't know of any crypto game that isn't, or any blockchain-based game that isn't just designed to mine more crypto for people. Because all of them that I have ever seen on mobile or or on PC... Are you know they'll say like oh yeah we're whatever crypto game, 
blah, 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 do this, do that, and mine more crypto while you play. Mm -hmm. You'll make money while you play. Like, all of them. So, I don't know. My guess is I don't think so, but I don't know. Blockchain, there might be some ways to use it, but I feel like it's uh, you know, fruit but of the poison lot, tree. But it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to abuse it. Yeah, I, I think it's fruit of the poison tree. Like any game or any anything that tries to use it in a genuine way that isn't scammy or scummy is going to be side eyed by everyone because they're so used to that technology being used to be scammy or scummy. Mm-hmm. And the ones that aren't used to it yet, yeah, they're just going to get scammed. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'd like to see one if there is one, you know, but I don't. I don't trust that there is. So, uh, talking about getting scammed. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Our last topic of the night: Diablo Immortal Whales face orb debt. That's another sentence that's kind of a mouthful to say. So basically. The bigwigs of Diablo Immortal have been getting their orbs, which is the in-game currency, uh, through not official means. Going through uh, third-party traders, just hackers, or whatever. And Blizzard has gone through and removed said orbs. Obtained that way. Yep, and put some of them in a massive debt where they're negative two thousand or sorry two million orbs. So, and, and, and here's kind of the uh, insidious thing: is that the orbs at first are not that expensive, but it starts yeah ramping up, ramping up, ramping up because you need more and more, and you're get and you're getting less and less for each purchase and. Yeah, you're looking at, uh, according to this one po- uh, person, that's 2 million orbs, or sorry, 2 point, just shy of 2.5 million orbs in debt. Uh, 85 bucks for a bundle of 7,200. That's a lot of money <laughs> to be in yeah. debt now. Oh. All right, hang on. How many orbs are they in debt? Let's do some math. Uh, 2,491,023. It's that last 23, right? Right. Two million four hundred. And while you calculate, I do need to step away for a few minutes. Two million four hundred ninety-one thousand. Okay. okay. Twenty-three. Sorry. Yep. Okay. And then let's divide that by. You close some tabs here. All right. Seventy-two hundred orbs. So divide that by seventy-two hundred orbs, and that equals three hundred and forty-six. Bundles. How much money is that? Uh, hundred, hundred US dollars. Holy shit! So if you bought every orb bundle, add that at that price, seventy two hundred orbs for a hundred US dollars. That would be thirty four thousand five hundred ninety seven dollars and fifty five cents. So $34,597.55 to buy that many. I was looking, 
I was looking at buying a new car earlier. I'm wanting to get a truck, a small truck, um, because I would use it, but I don't need anything big. And even quote unquote small mid-sized trucks like a Ford F-150, Dodge Ram 1500, uh, the uh, Silverado, they've all gotten too big. And Ford makes this really cute little truck called a Maverick now, which is uh, about the size of the mid-2000s, early 2010s Ford Ranger before they took this out of production. I know they make the Ford Ranger again. Excuse me, but it's about the size of the old Ford F-150, and that's just too big. I don't need a truck that big. I just need a truck bed and something I can tow my trailer with better than my old, sad Chrysler Pacifica. And the max level, like the nicest level trim package, and like this really cool, like orange, like burnt orange color, is $32,000, in my area. So I could buy a new truck or Diablo Immortal Orbs. So, yeah, that's fucking crazy to me. And then now I'm going to be quiet until Rage comes back. That way it's easier to edit. Okay, I'm back. Welcome back. I finished my math. Uh, So it's $34,597.55. The if 55 they, cents is the killer, huh? Yep. If they bought that max level pass every single time, and they didn't buy any of the smaller packs, or didn't grind, or whatever, that's that's how much money they would have spent. I mean, it's essentially holding the character hostage, right? Yes. Um, and then I said uh, I, that in in more detail than this, but I was looking at buying a new car and the car that I was looking at was cheap, like brand spanking new 2022 model vehicle was less money than this. I mean, damn, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I mean, I do. It's either addiction or sort of a desire to be the best at something. And you'll like no do, one ever was. Right. So on the one hand, I do understand where this comes from. Either that, or you just have so much money that you don't give a fuck. In which case, like, fair enough, I guess. But, you know, for most people who would be investing like this, either it's mental illness, you know, they suffer from addictive tendencies, or some other desire or need to prove themselves. And this is one way they feel validated in doing so. And I just want... Like, this is more... Like the this money, this much money thirty. I'm just gonna say thirty five grand for easy reference. That's around then, the median income for my state. So this is like one person's annual salary. And mind you, this is a single person's debt. Yeah. And while they obviously didn't spend this much because they got it through a third party, uh, and however they got it triggered something on Blizzard's end. That's still a lot of money that they had to sink in. A lot yeah. of money. Yeah, even if even if they got, you know, let's say they got a 50% discount. Well, that's $17,000. They got a 75% discount. That's still somewhere in the ballpark of 
eight and a half, nine grand. Like, I've I've not even spent that much money on my entire Steam library over the last 10, 15 years, you know? And maybe some people would look at that and say that that's crazy, you know? But mm-hmm. people spend money on their hobbies over time, you know? But, like, in 15 years, I've not even spent that much money, you know? And someone has spent that much money within the course of a month or two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm under that as well. But the thing is that, yeah, also sales, right? Yeah, sales and games that I got for free while I was still reviewing games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And while I used I used to try to get free games while we were doing this show, I don't my my library's cluttered enough. I don't apply to try to get games anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's just fuck fuck Blizzard. And capitalism for taking advantage of people this way. Yeah, so it looks like I read this a little bit closer. Uh, the negative uh, thing is triggers whenever somebody refunds uh, a in orb uh, or in game purchase their orbs. So pretty much third parties were using stolen credit cards, most likely, or that's the most likely culprit. Of causing this, so. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, it, it, I, I think both sides are in the wrong here. One for using a third-party site to, you know, pump, you know, literally billions of orbs into your character. <laughs> because if they're selling at cheaper than what Blizzard is, you know, there's something fishy going on. Yeah. But also, Blizzard demanding... Tens of thousands of dollars from these people to be able to play their characters, right? Yeah. There's no good person here. And also, I would say Blizzard on the fact that you could go a year's worth of salary and debt easily on a single character. That just tells me everything I need to know about that game's uh, uh, grind, right? Yep. It tells me that I don't want anything to do with it. Which, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what else to say about that. So, um, let's move on to if you wish to contact us, you could do so vjobpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us vjobpodcast, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vjobpodcast.podbean.com. Yep. Uh, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit them with them socials? Yeah, it's getting kind of late, huh? After midnight. Yeah, turning into pumpkins. Uh, I'm uh, getting fat and orange. I'm, I'm looking like Trump. Ah. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, buddy. Oh. Oh, uh, I've been caffeine rage. You can find me occasionally tweeting over at Game of CR, which I actually just yeah set out a flurry of a few tweets today for the first nice. time in ages. One calling Lindsay Lindsay Graham a fucker, but it, 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 deep down, don't we all call him that? Lindsey Graham is a fucker. Fucking prick. <laughs> I also made a, co- a comments about Nintendo because they had like half a dozen different farming and life sim games in their Nintendo Direct today, which I know we didn't talk about, but it's we're more a PC-centric gaming sh- uh, thing, so, right? Yeah. There was some interesting stuff on there, though. Like, <sighs> three remakes of uh, of uh, farming sims, uh, one of the old Harvest Moons, and 
uh, one of the old Rune Factories, and I'm blanking on the third one. But hey, you could have a Pokemon tournament now if you Nintendo uh, more money, right? I want to be the very best. No one ever was. Anyways, uh, yeah did did you did you give me your socials? All of the socials? Uh, yeah, I gave me a CR on Twitter, or you can be my friend Caffeine Rage over on Steam. Yeah, and I've been Jared. You can find me over on Twitter at JMA4707. And also Motherfucking Therapist. Right, also the Motherfucking Therapist. I haven't tweeted in very much in a hot minute. I should tweet some more. That could be dangerous. Um, you can find me occasionally uh, playing tabletop games over on twitch.tv slash runicarts. Currently, I am running a the next Vampire the Masquerade campaign that we're playing over there. That happens on Wednesdays. Um, I'm trying to... Like, I am not doing any of the work for this other than running the game. That's all up to them. And I've tried to encourage them to, to you know, spread the word on the social medias and places. But if you want to check it out, I auto-host it on my Twitch account, so you could also go there. But don't don't support my Twitch account. It's dead. Just, if you want to watch, go go over to twitch.tv slash winningcards. And then you can also... Talk to me on Discord or Steam or, you know, you could send up some smoke signals or, you know, you could, I guess, like dox me and find my information. Please don't do that. But you could. Um, I've got actually some we- some very public facing profiles because I'm a motherfucking therapist. <laughs> like there's a bunch of websites that I show up on. If it's like, hey, you want to find a, a licensed therapist in your area? Oh, Here you go. I'll, just, I'll just show up one day. I mean, you know where I live. I've given you my address. And if you don't yeah, know yeah, well, my well, new you, one or you, have it, I'll yeah, give it to you again. You've moved since I've got the last one. I thought I gave you the new one. Well, I'll uh, have to give you the address. I'll, I'll go to your work and call from Sarah. Right. Please do. Here you go. Here's, yeah, here's my address. I'll, I'll just be a rude tour. I mean, that's every day. I'm rude tour every day. There you go. There's my new address. <laughs> Come find me. <laughs> this seems like a trap. Oh, it's, I mean, is it a trap if you know it's a trap? I'm going to be making rolls in the basement of the cult, or not? Yeah. If you know I'm going to capture you, then is it really (laughs) a trap? That's, yeah, that's that's what I have to say about that. It's still a trap. Seems sus. (laughs) Definitely sus. Anyways, yeah, that's, that's all my information. So, scrolling all the way back up to the top of our show notes. Uh, once again, if you wish to contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related subjects, yes, that uh, email address is still open, even though we don't get a lot from it. Or uh, our Twitter. Because, honestly, the Discord's been kind of the you know, the hotbed, huh? It has been, and we appreciate that. Which, you can find a link to that over on our main website, vglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to share the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find more over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incompetech.com. And as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.